Hello and welcome again to the Community Broadband Bits podcast, presented to you by the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. This is Lisa Gonzalez with a short holiday treat for you this week. We've produced over 25 episodes of the podcast, and every interview has been memorable. Our guests have talked about technology, economic development, digital inclusion, savings to the community, and many, many other topics. This time we want to share some of their voices and some of their thoughts. These voices describe the challenges faced by communities and individuals that don't have meaningful broadband access. We also hear from local leaders who describe how communities take connectivity into their own hands and use it to shape their futures. Enjoy. This is critical infrastructure, and everybody deserves access to it. And if we're going to do it, we need to do it in a way that uh, creates a long-term asset that is a responsible use of municipal dollars. And, you know, that last part may come from the fact that so many of us have been marginalized by the lack of service for so long that we really believe that having a a community, an an asset that operates in the best interest of the community while still being financially sustainable is, is, is a really important value. And these are the areas where these large companies have admitted publicly they have no interest in serving them. I've heard them tell rural county managers that, hey, you know, your homes in your county are too far apart and your people don't make enough money for us to invest. Um, So what we're seeing is parents having to drive their kids every day, 20 minutes away, to find a cell tower where they can use an air card and upload their kids' homework every day and then 20 minutes back. And I've had people who, who won't let me talk about their situation because they're worried that if it gets out that their home doesn't have broadband, they won't be able to sell their house. There are school districts that know that parents are sitting in their parking lots feeding off of the Wi-Fi. And so those school districts are tempering their adoption of digital um, training in their curriculum because they know that even while they're giving these kids free computers, The kids are going home and they can't use them. Early on when we started talking with communities across the country, one of the things that percolated up through the story, which of course people knew in real terms, but they didn't talk about in policy terms, was that broadband, you know, or internet access in particular, had become so important that it was now, you know, a prerequisite to social and economic inclusion. So we talked to community members from across the country who, who gave very specific instances of how, you know, internet had moved from this luxury to a necessity. They needed it for um, MFIP. They needed it for to apply for food stamps. They needed it to, um, to regulate their immigration or refugee status. They needed it to apply for jobs. You know, we, we had this framework of internet being a necessity, not just um, a luxury. You know, we, we have gone through a major transformation from an innovation perspective in incubating new startup companies uh, from really teachers and students from our University of California uh, Riverside that does research. And a lot of those are, are electing to stay here in Riverside, start their companies here. Uh, you know, we, we've recently attracted some, some larger companies to the region, uh, like SolarMax, as an example, that's just bringing 1,000 new jobs to Riverside. Uh, so we're, we're excited about uh, those, uh, those companies, that, especially the technology ones, that recognize the benefits of infrastructure that we have here and uh, also recognize that, that people want to live and uh, have their kids go to school in those kind of geographies where um, broadband access is, is available to everyone.
we have gigabit service and the monthly fee is roughly $649 to a site. And you might have several users at a site. We might have an after school program and a county health program and a school all at one site. They can share that fee and all share in that gigabit bandwidth. So you can see that we've really made it affordable um, for our schools and libraries. A commercial rate you know, for a similar type service, when we looked into it, would have been somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, $2,200 or more dollars per month. Comcast offered to give us an incremental cost increase, which was about 6%. So by the summer of 2010, the price would raise rise to $20,000 a month. And then the price would rise again to 34,000 for the second, and then 45,000 for the third, and then 98,000 per month for the fourth and fifth year. And at the time, our original estimates, if we were to build completely from the ground up, were about 9.8 million. So if we compared the cost of leasing a network, the life of a network that we we would build and the cost of that network, it was easy to see that after 10 years or less than 10 years, we would recover the cost of leasing at $1.1 million a year. So we went back to Comcast and said, no way, we're not, we're not going to do that. We're going to go build our own network. We don't see it any different than building streets and bridges and letting anybody drive on them if they want. Uh, no city would imagine having its roads run by private entities. And for us, this broadband infrastructure is just roads. It's nothing more and it's nothing less. And as such, it's necessary and we had to make it happen. The majority of our large employers in the city saw the, the tremendous benefit of that fiber connectivity and have taken that service. So we've got one company, for example, that does aeronautic manuals. Um, so they, they build and maintain these manuals for planes, for private jets and stuff like that. And they actually have a offsite facility in Costa Rica that they use our fiber connection to um, do hot replication of their server farm from Sandy to Costa Rica. It's, it's amazing. And, and that's, uh, we love getting testimonies from that business owner because he says, you know, without sending that, we wouldn't be able to do this. So it's, it's fabulous. And the, the price that we're able to do that at for our businesses is typically cheaper than a T1 connection for a full 100 megs to the internet. A gig to a resident, let alone a businesses that can't get it, is, is substantial. And we do have people that are already using it. One of our gig users um, is using He's a movie producer. He worked on a lot of Pixar, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, those kinds of things. And he could show you how dynamic his needs are uh, from a broadband perspective where he's transferring files that are so large, such significant, many of them at one time back and forth between different partners, et cetera that um, he needs this type of work. He, he can work more effectively here in Utah than he can next door in, in Hollywood. They were needing a thousand megabit of connectivity to their new customer location. Everything was promised to them, yes, we'll do exactly what you need. And fine, the deal was done. They're moving 400 jobs at that time. Carrier said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to get that. It's going to be 60 days out farther. Mm -hmm. Expedia came back to us and said, this is what we need. 
Can you do it? Absolutely. We did it. They haven't left. There were 400 jobs starting, 800 or 1,000 jobs today. We don't ever want to force a community to build a network if they're not interested no. in it. We want the decision to be made locally. Absolutely. You know, and, and for some communities it'll make sense, and for other communities it won't make sense. And I, I actually spoke with uh, some folks in the state government uh, last week, uh, Senator Bennett's office, Senator Udall's office, and I said, you know, this isn't about the federal government mandating that the states do anything. It's about the federal government or state government saying you are free to make the decision, do what's right for your community. Right. That's exactly it. That was nine minutes of some fantastic moments from the Community Broadband Bits podcast in 2012. Regardless of a community's size, demographics, or location, they should have the freedom to make local decisions. Each place is unique, and those who live with the results should be the ones who determine their own path. We believe this tenet applies to much more than broadband, and we see successful examples every day as communities exercise the right to shape their own futures. If you have any questions or comments, please send us a note. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. Our handle on Twitter is at communitynets. This show was released on December 25th, 2012, and we want to wish each of you a great holiday season, and thank you for listening. Thanks also to the Mojo Monkeys for the music licensed using Creative Commons. The song is called Bodacious.